Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Um, it is one week since eight Scottish Lions were selected and it all is good in the world of Scottish rugby. Um, it has been a week of baiting Irish commentators online, something that you absolutely love to see. Matt, are you still um, on cloud nine after the Lions selection? Yeah, I think so. I think only slightly soured by the Irish reaction, but then actually... Um, we put in a newsletter that those sort of headlines are really great for our engagement and really great sort of content as well. Yeah. I mean, if there's one, if there's only one good thing to come out of the eight lions, it's um, the fact that our engagement numbers have gone up. So um, thanks very much to Warren for that. I would say. The only thing better than um, better for our numbers than that is, is a Stephen Jones sort of anti-Scottish article. So great that we've now found the Irish Stephen Jones so we can really sort of double up with uh, with the outrage. Yeah, Stephen Jones is good for 100 new followers or something like that every weekend if he if he says something stupid. Like that sm- that article about Hamish Johnson, Hamish Johnson, Hamish Watson being too small um was a real boon for new followers joining us on the thistle. Um well thanks very much for coming back. We're going to it's a little bit of an odds and sorts week. Um, we've got a little bit of news. We're going to talk through, have a little look ahead to the Scotland summer fixtures, the Scotland A game having been announced this week. And then a look back to 1872 part three last Saturday and a look ahead to Edinburgh versus Glasgow at the weekend, not affiliated to the 1872 Cup. So that's going to be a good one to get into later on. So before we get into all of that good stuff, just a quick word for our sponsors, Rob Mack, um, an independent financial advisor specializing in mortgage management, financial planning, and investments. They have been with us for the last few months um, and they are huge Scottish rugby fans. So if you need any of those services, please do get in touch with them. You can check them out at Rob Mack. .co.uk. So first things first, let's have a look at a couple of bits of news. Breaking today, Scotland under 20 cap, Muir, Air, Hoik, Wanderers, Langham, um, Journeyman, Hislop has gone to Wasps. I think it's a big step up into the English Premiership for the former Scotland under 20s prop. Matt, you've followed his career with interest. What do you make of it? Yeah, well, he also had a 
little loan spell uh, at Saracens during sort of some of that pandemic rugby. Um, maybe the start of this season. So maybe that was enough to convince Wasps that he was capable of making the step up. Mm. He's one of those guys who I suppose, I, th- I think because his dad had played for Scotland um, and he was a real, he was a standout at that sort of under 20 level. And they did go on to play a few games for, for Edinburgh. But I think a lot of people were in his corner and hoping that he'd, he'd kick on, um, you know, spend a good few years at Edinburgh and then, and then get um, Scotland cap. But, I think ultimately at the time he was he was behind or sort of competing with Roy Sutherland, Alan Dell as well, um and a, a move away to to Rotherham to and then to, to Doncaster was probably what I needed. And, and fair play to him, like stuck it out at, at that level, which it, it seems as if it's it's not always the, the the most comfortable of journeys there, but but it is a decent enough springboard on to, to bigger and better things. So it'll it'll be good to see him see him in the in the Prem, see how he see he copes at that level. Hoik, Wanderers team back in the day. Because him, Rory Sutherland and Hogg are all about the same age. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty banging that they probably all three of them played together um back sort of but well, it must be like oh eight, oh nine and now I guess all still being sort of professional rugby players too going to the Lions and hit and also him getting taken on by Wasps. Yeah, it's a it's a good time. It's always a good time to be from Hoyk, but particularly the last couple of weeks seems to be the the sun is shining on them. Another move in Scottish front row land. Um, Hooker Jake Kerr, who's been playing his trade at Leicester, has joined the Bristol Bears on a short term deal till the end of the season. Went straight in on the bench at the weekend. He's not had uh, he's had sort of flashes of rugby at um, at Leicester. Um, Matt, do you think it's a good move for him? Yeah, definitely. It, it seems as if Leicester for the last sort of year and a half has just seen so much player turnover. Like, I think the number of people that have left the club in the last two years is up in the thirties. Um, you know, we've we've maybe heard that I think he's been injured quite a lot in recent months, and may have felt as if he hasn't got sort of the best treatment throughout that. Uh, I think there were sort of some rumours, or whether there was much basis in them, or it was maybe just hope of him coming up north. Um, north of the border and and maybe going to to Edinburgh, who are, are sort of losing a few hookers. Um, but to get a short term deal at Bristol at the moment, like it's almost the best place you could, you could go. So it's it's a pretty class move for him. And we're going to be coming on to talk about it. Um, potential outside shots for um, an experimental Scotland A team or the Scotland uh, wider squad for the summer. There's going to be lots of youngsters eyeing up that um, opportunity. Um, and Jake Kerr will certainly be one of them. Other bit of news this week, and we'll use it as that jumping off point into our discussion about looking ahead to Scotland's summer. Scotland A will be playing England A as a sort of a kickoff for that three-game summer schedule for Scotland, followed up by Romania and Georgia away. Other interesting bit of news within that is that it will capture players. And as we know with Cameron Redpath um, and players like sort of Josh Bayliss and things like that, um, there is a bit of a, uh, a tug of war between England and Scotland over a number of them. So could we see um, some decisions being made this summer? Um, Matt, I'll come to you first. A couple of names that um, we know are sort of being discussed, both at the sale, you and Nashman, who's been involved in Scotland squads in the past, and um, front row Bevan Rod are both cited as being tapped up by both England and Scotland. An interesting one to watch this summer. Yeah, well, Ashman's obviously been, he was in that last Six Nations training squad and, and, and didn't didn't get his cap. For, from what we're hearing, our, our sort of source on the ground at Sale is that he is definitely attracting the attentions of the English coaches. Uh, Matt Proudfoot, the, the forwards coach in particular. But the fact that he has been part of Chinese squads and apparently considers himself very Scottish makes me think that Scotland still have a very good chance of of catch, capturing him in that A game or or whether it's further on in the summer tour. And I think uh, oh, and what about what about what do we know about, if anything, about um Bevan Rod? We know he's a loose head prop. <laughs> Are you sure he's a loose head? 
I'll be that yeah, confident. He, he is a hundred percent. He is a hundred percent a loose head. And and from I guess both sort of people we've spoken to who are sort of associated with sale, and then also just general kind of number of starts he's been getting, it kind of seems like potentially sale rate him a little bit above you and Ashman. I appreciate they obviously play um, different positions, but. Um, you know, we were sort of talking about a little bit before the podcast, but if you look at loose head prop for for Scotland, it's, it's potentially an area of strength, especially over the next sort of four or five years. You've got obviously Roy Sutherland going with the Lions, Kebble, who you know, at, at, at a minimum is a very good option to kind of come off the bench, and then obviously Skuman, who's potentially kind of dipped a little bit over the last twelve months, but it's still a pretty class option to to have at loose head. So whilst obviously Bevan Rod is clearly like pretty unbelievable talent, I think he's like. 21 22 and sort of starting for sale it's potentially not the position that scotland really need to be sort of pushing hard for or potentially for someone like bevan rod you know he's looking at england and scotland and actually looking at an area for england where there isn't a lot of depth at loose head where you've got the mako and marla who are sort of getting on a little bit and then for scotland he's looking at them and there's a lot of there's a lot of depth in that position and competition i I suppose conversely with you and Ashman, it, it does feel as if Stuart McAnally and Fraser Brown are, you know, they still got a good few years in them, but might not make it to that next World Cup cycle. And then beyond behind that, you've got George Turner. And then maybe the, the depth sort of it is a bit shallower. So you think of guys from, from Glasgow and um, like Johnny Matthews and Grant Stewart. Um, but then from, from an Edinburgh perspective, uh, th- there's no one you've got Dave Cherry obviously but once again he um, you know is is in his late 20s if not 30 so it does feel as if if Ewan Ashman would, were to sort of nail his colours to the Scotland mass there, there's quite a lot of opportunities for him in, in the future yeah, I was trying to think who's the next Scottish hooker off the rack okay. Edinburgh would it be that like 18 year old Patrick Harris yeah, Harrison Harris, yeah. So yeah, it definitely feels like hooker, especially going into the next World Cup cycles, got to be one that the. Uh, I mean, it's also just evidenced by the fact that it just shows us the lack of depth. The fact that Ashman got into the Six Nations squad, right? <laughs> like it's yeah. the fact that they literally picked someone who I don't even know, maybe one start for sale, a couple of big um, kind of games off the bench. So. And I, I, whilst obviously I'm sure he's a great talent, I think that's more out of a lack of options in Scotland versus just a sort of like real need to take this um, guy out from sale and put him in the Scotland squad um, before he's had much game time. So, no, it'll be interesting. And it's just looking at I'm, I've, I'm doing my research into Bevan Rod mid pod. He's at, he's only twenty, Alan. He's twenty. He's twenty one in August. He's from Dunoon. He was born in Dunoon in Scotland. Um, other notable people from Dunoon include Mary Campbell, the love interest of Robert Burns. So there, there you go. go. I mean, a little pretty, bit of a little bit of trivia for you. It is pretty mad. Like ultimately, being twenty and especially as a loose head prop, starting now relatively consistently for sale in the Premiership, which you know is ultimately is a much higher level, especially right now than the kind of Pro or Rainbow Cup slash Pro Fourteen. It's pretty it, impressive. According to Wikipedia, which is our only source on this pod, 21 appearances at the age of 20 in the front row in the Premiership is, I mean, is going some. That is he's, an incredible yeah. record. He must have made his debut then at oh, 19, maybe even 18. Yeah. I want him. Tooney, if you're listening, we want him. Mike Blair, go and get him. Yeah. Who can we send, who can we send down to go and get him? Someone like, well, well interestingly, he, I think he went to Sedbur. So someone like Cam Redpath, who's been in a very similar situation, could be a good person to... Yes. To <laughs> Let's get him. Let's get yeah. Cam, little Cam Redpath, a nice little finder's fee, if he can secure um, secure Rod. But yeah, I guess it's, it's, yeah, it's, an, it's an interesting one. I guess anyone else that they'd be looking to try and kind of bring in, I guess Bayliss is the one that they sort of brought in during the Six Nations, but didn't get any game time who I imagine and has been to be fair starting for Bath and, and and whilst Bath haven't been sort of setting the the ground alight has been looking quite good yeah and I think still even though 
Bath haven't been playing well, like they can put out a really good pack of mainly internationals. So to be able to get into that squad along the likes of alongside the likes of Faltau, etc., there, there must be something about him. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's definitely an interesting one. I, I kind of get the sense that he uh, is there slightly less competition in the second and back rows for someone like Bayless than England. I'd probably say yeah. Um, and I think particularly at the moment when you've got someone was, was talking about this on Twitter, um, you've got potentially for this tour Cummings uh, injured, Gilchrist injured as well. Maybe it's a chance to rest someone like Johnny Gray. Um, it, it potentially you know creates a pretty big opportunity for someone like like Bayless to to sort of establish himself as that like five six option. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it really feels like this. This isn't the tour for. I know we're sort of moving on from the A games to probably more sort of the Scotland matches against Georgia and Romania. Yeah. But for peop- for both the Greys, for example, it just it, 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 there's very little value. It feels in kind of getting them to kind of come out in those matches. The the most established player that I I do really want to see in this sort of Scotland games is potentially someone like a Jamie Ritchie and him getting the captain's armband. And sort of taking on much more of a sort of leadership position for I know he's already in sort of leadership group, but actually taking that leadership, that kind of number one yeah. leadership role in that Scotland team. But yeah, I think for people like the Greys and for someone like Sean Maitland, I sort of struggle to see what the benefit is of bringing them into sort of the wider Scotland squad over the summer. Another, yeah, I, I was going to say, I imagine Richie is on a pretty short list of potential captaincy candidates for the summer. I can't really see who else would be in the mix. There depends if they take, I guess, like a Rambo or yeah. Fraser Brown. Maybe if if Cummings is is okay, he could be a skipper option, like skipper Glasgow in the past. It's yeah, no. uh, yeah, Cummings. I mean, Luke Crosby. I was I was thinking of as well, but I imagine if you've got Jamie Ritchie in the team, ultimately he's obviously going to yeah. sort of supersede um, Crosby as sort of a captain. Crosby, cap- Cros- Crosby captain on his debut. That would be quite sweet. <laughs> or would it be Luke Crosby's debut? I thought he came off, came on against. Was it not Georgia in the autumn? Oh, did he? I don't know if he did. Looking don't out. worry, lads. I've got his Wikipedia loading now. <laughs> um, no, he's not capped by Scotland. Ah, there you the, go. Um, the, eight, the other, eight caps for the under twenties, though. No points. <laughs> the other um, sort of capture one that's potentially interesting is is a guy like Fraser Dingwall. Who, yeah. once again, I mean, like, I was coming up with this this squad and you, you can name guys, Cam Redpath, Hugh Jones, Rory Hutchinson, you know, like, it actually is quite a wee bit down before you get to his name. Um, and he seems to go come in and out of that Northampton Saints side. But, but once again, like, if you can get him capped, it's another nice option to have. Yeah, absolutely. It's been that name that's sort of been swilling around sort of potential 15s on online for a wee while. I think perhaps with James Lang now coming north to to Edinburgh, he, you think he's probably going to be continually involved in the setup. You'd expect him to tour in the summer. Um, Matt, you you put up a proposed sort of 15, a sort of experimental 15 for the for the summer tour. Why don't you sort of take us through that? That is your sort of your idea for a Scotland team against um, Romania that you'd like to see. Yeah, so I think overall it, it's a pretty exciting squad. So if you go through the front row, um, sort of going with Kebble, Turner, and and Bergen, and I, I think that as we talked about, at one and two, our options are pretty decent. Um, but the, the tight head position with obviously Xander Fagerson absent with the Lions is where I think you start to struggle a bit because you look below that and it's, you know, Murray McCallum is one of your other options. Nell, if you really um, were, were, were not desperate, but, you know, he's not a long-term solution. And then uh, you've got guys like, um, what's the Gloucester prop called again? Stanley, is that his name? Jack Stanley. I might be getting confused. Um but yeah, I, that, I suppose WP now you'd put in that category that Alan was talking about of what are we going to learn from sending WP now to um, Bucharest and Tbilisi? Yeah, exactly. 
not a huge amount. No. Um, and then, yes, second row, if you did make the decision to rest Johnny Gray, is quite interesting because hopefully Cummings is, is okay after his injury at the weekend and sort of comes in with that leadership role. I think that Sam Skinner has to start in some capacity. Um, I think that whenever he's played with Scotland, he's been absolutely class. Uh, and then beyond that, you sort of look at the likes of an Alex Craig type um, who's looked pretty good when he's, he's his little um, flashes for Scotland and, and maybe people like Cammy Henderson who, despite all the turnover at Leicester, seems to be pretty well regarded there. What about old Hunter Hill? But, yeah, I was looking at um, Saracens the other day actually to see what he'd been up to and I think he, he's sort of on the bench for them now. So I just wonder if slightly his opportunity has passed. Is Swinson starting ahead of him? Yeah, I think so. Not exactly an endorsement of your international credentials. Yeah. One last roll of the dice from Swinnow at an international level. And then maybe if you wanted to to bring a bit of a a, a sort of younger apprentice type, then someone like Jamie Hodgson, who I think has been one of Edinburgh's better players in, in a bit of a rubbish season. A lot of options, though. That's the thing. It's uh, especially in that sort of second row. I think uh, it's it's definitely an area where you're hoping that at least a couple of those lads are going to sort of really kick on. Whether you know people like Henderson and Craig, you know, hopefully in sort of a year or two's time, can be starting to like knock on the door of like yeah. a full full Scotland squad for um for the six for the Six Nations. So yeah, I mean, at a minimum, they should be in that a starting in that A game. You would think. Is that just? Going back to that sort of um, the back row discussion, one of our Twitter followers, um, Sam, at Sam Fangs, just sort of said, you know, several contenders for Watson's vacated seven jersey this summer. Crosby, Gordon, Boyle, Darge, Bayliss, Miller. There is like an awful lot of young back row talent in Scotland. It'll be interesting to see which ones of those sort of are split across the Scotland squads, the A and the main one this um, this summer. Feels like based on sort of, 1872 match last week and probably ge- generally this season maybe Tom Gordon mm. is yeah. and t- to sort of take up that that spot I think Mullet for Mullet yeah Mullet for Mullet Crosby and Richie relatively potentially sort of similar players Richie maybe like a little bit better mm. on the ground whereas sort of Gordon is sort of you know, such like a classic seven very similar to Hardy mm. I um, wonder if the only thing about the the thing that Crosby has his advantage is his height, and I, I wonder if that plays his advantage as you know like another line out option. Yeah, but I do, yeah. I, do, I do like Gordon, and I think that he has played consistently well for Glasgow, even when you know over the last like two years, a, a lot of Glasgow team performances have been pretty underwhelming. Hundred percent. I mean, I think this season he's he's probably been standout forward in what has been a very very low to average pack yeah um and like hardy just seems to have like a complete disregard for his like own body just like the way he sort of throws himself into contact at, at any point within the in the match i always find just like just a little bit like too much as someone who never put the body on the line in a match i find it <laughs> disconcerting to see someone who so readily puts their body on the line at any moment in a match and yeah. He was in. He was in the. He's been in a Scotland squad before, hasn't he? In a, he's been in a wider Six Nations squad, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he's been sort of training squad. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the other guys you mentioned, Darge and Boiler, potentially worth taking along in that apprentice type role. But I actually think yep. there are a fair few players maybe like ahead of them. I don't think that they're, um, you know, they've necessarily merited a Scotland cap yet. Although I, I can definitely see them getting them in the future. Yeah, always interesting to see the players that Tooney sort of invites into camp. Um, I think the, I think Moncaster went into the Six Nations cap, camp um, as, as one of those sort of apprentices. And, and in the backs, that Matt Curry bloke also sort of went in and around and trained as sort of was like looking at the Scotland squad, which gives you an idea of where Townsend's head is at. Yeah, and then if you sort of go, go into the backs, I think, you, you stick with Hastings at 10, um, you know, give, give him a chance to get a bit more. Would you disagree on? 
No, I wouldn't. And I, but I think 100% got to get sort of Thompson in the in the squad. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like you know, there's no value in really bringing someone like Duncan Ware in, or it does sound oh. like he's he's kind of getting back to to kind of full fitness for Worcester. And I think you know it'd be interesting to see what happens this weekend. But given the form that Ross Thompson's had, and given the fact that he, he I think he probably quite comprehensively outplayed Chamberlain at the weekend, yeah. he's he's definitely got to kind of be brought in and potentially, you know, you have him on the bench and then Hastings potentially can cover sort of like fullback if, uh, if someone sort of drops off. Yeah. Um, I mean, nine's quite an interesting one because I think that if I just look back to the last Scotland game, you know, Steele was the sub nine. So I'm putting him in, in in the absence of Ali Price, but if if George Horan can get back to fitness, then he's definitely going to push, um, there's maybe an argument. Jamie Doby's maybe not played as much as he would have liked this season, but there's maybe an argument around him. And then I think I think Doby will tour. I think he'll tour. Um, he was sort of twenty fourth man in quite a lot of the Six Nations, wasn't he? Yeah, and then I think that the other interesting one is is Sam Padaga Klein, who I think you know at the end of last season would have been pushing for that Scotland recall. I think got on a couple of squads, but in the last six months or so. I don't know. I don't think he's injured. He's gone completely off the radar at Exeter, who now plays two towns in and Jack Monder in every single game. As two towns sounds like a journeyman older player. So I'm not 100% sure what's going on there, but he, he sort of seems to have fallen from grace lately. It feels like Scrum Half is potentially the most open position of of them all because yeah you've got that mix of people like sort of George someone like George Horn who's probably sort of lost a form and would have even sort of 12 months ago been like the real clear next um next player after Price but even even after kind of him and Steele and Dolby you've got Charlie Shield who's potentially not kicked on mm. as much as we'd sort of hoped over the last 12 months and then also kind of people like Charlie Chapman and Ben Velicott who are sort of kind of poking around probably like on on the bench or in the wider squads for the sort of respective teams. Um, and it's just whether they, they think it's worth sort of bringing one of those, one of those guys into the squad. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, I think, and then m- moving on to, I think it's sort of the, the centers, we mentioned a few of them, like, you know, the idea of Redpath and Jones is moved. Or, you know, if, if Stain is moved in field to centre for the last few games of the season, Redpath and Stain, then you've got Roy Hutchinson to bring into the mix, who I would love to see as a more established Scottish pick um, and potentially bring in someone like Fraser Dingwall and adding him to the, to the selection discussion. Like, the options are suddenly really good there. Do you think they'll they'll even use someone like a uh, Hugh Jones, like bring him in for bring him in for this? I, I I can see sort of obviously Cam Redpath. We want to start kind of getting him more in the setup, but I guess Hugh Jones. Do you not think they probably know what they have from him, and they might kind of give someone like you said, either Kyle Stain or a Hutchison a shot at sort of thirteen for those two games? I think it would make sense, but I also think that Jones deserves a bit of game time. I think, although he might not be that keen to go and play in Romania and Georgia, like I think that coming off the bench for Scotland and the Six Nations, he was consistently really good. And maybe it's just reward for for that. 
What yeah. about that bloke that's coming, the Scottish qualified bloke that's coming from the Japanese league? Yeah, um, Tupelutu. Yeah. Get him in. The, but the thing is, no one else can cap him. So it's not, there's no rush. Yeah, I like, suppose so. We don't know what he's like, really. We don't really know what he's like, yeah. No. Good, yeah. nice highlights, like really. Japan highlights, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and into the sort of the back three, are you a are you a Cole Forbes convert straight in? Well, Cole Forbes stock. I mean, it's dog coin. It's he, the, he, dog coin. Dogecoin. Dogecoin. <laughs> Dogecoin. Sorry. <laughs> he is the do- that dog coin. <laughs> he is the Dogecoin of Scottish rugby. I think you know it's funny. Sort of looking back to I can't remember who they were playing against, but the first match when you sort of had Cole Forbes, Rufus McLean, and Ollie Smith starting together. And I think Cole Forbes' first, not even touch of the ball, but first kind of action in the match was to like take a guy out in the air and get yellow carded, and it's it's all sort of come. It's all, it's all changed and, you know, uh, to be fair, his performances for Glasgow recently have sort of um, maybe sort of stand up and obviously his line off of the, the try of the weekend was absolutely class. So I wonder, you know, we've got a couple more games left. I wonder, you know, it felt like Blair Kinghorn, you know, now that Hogg's finally out, it was. It has to be that it's sort of Kinghorn's time to be that sort of starting fifteen. But I wonder if Kinghorn continues to struggle a little bit. Whether you know they might decide that Cole Forbes is the right sort of option to have it have at the back because he is looking really exciting. Yeah, definitely. I, I I put Maitland in there just because I, I wanted a bit of experience. But once again, is is there much point in him touring? Would he want to tour? I don't know. So Forbes is suddenly a really interesting option um, in the same way that someone like um, Rufus McLean is, actually. How banging would a Rufus McLean, Cole Forbes, Darcy Graham back three? Like very small, obviously, but absolutely rapid. It would be pretty cool. I, I don't... I think Forbes might go as a sort of training squad type member on the bench. So it's sort of interesting to think, how's Mike Blair approaching this? You know, he's been offered this opportunity to lead the Scotland squad. So obviously he doesn't want to fuck up that much. But I just wonder, you know, has Tooney said, go on then, Mike, do your own thing? Or do you think there's been a bit of a, or, or sort of, do you think he's been handed a mandate to try and bring people forward? Because if you're Mike Blair, you know, your first chance at being a Scotland coach, you probably just want to grind out some nice wins. Mm maybe that'll disincentivize him to sort of completely roll the dice and play the kids. For, for Tooney though, he's got to be, this has got to be a testing ground for players that are going to the 2023 20, Rugby World Cup. Sure. Right. Who, who, who currently has only got either had a handful of caps or hasn't had any caps. Do I think might be part of that squad in two years time? Mm-hmm. And, and whilst obviously I'm sure Mike Blair would love to sort of, pick Johnny Gray etc it, it just feels like ultimately Tooney and, and Scotland in general have to be looking at that bigger picture I'm sure they are right you probably do need a bit of a balance though like, I still think although it is only Romania and Georgia like putting in a team of everyone under 23 you know or with who's pretty callow against Georgia is not the best way, I don't think, to introduce them to international rugby. Maketh the man. <laughs> Can you imagine being tw- like 20, being so Jamie Dobie against the Georgian pack? Yeah. With, with the forwards getting trampled. It'd be so bad. It's character building. That and the night out in Bucharest afterwards. That's, that's what makes <laughs> a man. I'm just looking at the team that last played against Georgia to see what sort of mix it was and because I was trying to get a thesis going in my head that we've rolled the dice against Georgia before, but we haven't. Um, it was Rory Sutherland, Fraser Brown, Xander Fagerson, Tulis Cummings, Richie Watson, Fagerson, um, Ali Price, Hastings, Lang, Harris, Duhan, Darcy, and Blair Kinghorn. So that is pretty much full noise in the autumn, in the Autumn Nations Cup. So, yeah. 
but that was kind of the fir- that was kind of the first game of that sort of it was a, such a, a different sort of context, mm. right? Like ultimately, the Autumn Nations Cup was coming up. People hadn't had a lot of rugby, and I think you know ultimately you had to use that opportunity to sort of test a couple of like combinations and kind of get that momentum kind of going into that um, that tu- that tournament. So I don't know. I think you I think you're absolutely right, but ultimately I do think that with people like Richie. Adam Hastings, George Turner, you know, these are guys who are between yeah. 24 and 27 and have got sort of double digit caps, played in Calcutta Cups, played in big Six Nations matches, gone to Rub World Cups. Like ultimately, th- these are guys who got to be the, the leaders and have got to got to step up in in this environment. And, and ultimately, with those sort of guys, plus a few of the younger guys sort of scattered around, we should be good enough definitely to beat Romania and, and whilst obviously I know Georgia are always sort of banned around Georgia aren't that good <laughs> and we should be beating Georgia even with that that sort of squad I think Absolutely well we will keep an eye on that I'm not entirely sure when the um, summer tour squad is being named but at, when it does happen we will be right there with you well, breaking the, it just, down Just on that I'm, well, I guess I want, I'm assuming it's probably not going to be named till post the Rainbow Cup and I guess the other, the other piece of news that mm. we didn't we didn't really discuss was it came out today it came out yesterday that because obviously they'd announced rounds 1 to 3 and then they decided yeah. that they were going to announce they've announced now rounds four to six but they haven't decided how the rainbow cup is going to end there's no details about how it'll end we've only got rounds now one to six and you'd think and i don't know whether they're still holding out for whether they can do any sort of cross border matches with south africa but it's just so weird that you sort of release these three rounds then we're going to release the next three rounds and then we're going to be at the point where about a, a week and a half two weeks away from what I assume would be the playoffs of the Rainbow Cup, but no one has any actual idea on how it's going to operate between the Northern and Southern Rainbow Cups that are happening. It's just that it's that thing that sort of swilling, swills around at the bottom of your to-do list, isn't it? That's just sort of too difficult to take on. And everyone's like, oh, Luke, <laughs> come on, we'll come, we'll come back to it. Something will, something will come up. And they're just like, Luke, we can't, we can't sort that out right now. To be fair, the South African teams look pretty beast. Yeah, yeah. As a, I've only watched highlights, but yes, they do look. Uh, they look significantly better than what we've seen um, up north. <laughs> yeah, no, one hundred percent. There was a time when um, Len- Leinster were sort of bottom of the Rainbow Cup as well. That was quite nice to see in a tough in a tough week for um, Irish rugby. Yes, and Bennett in a top. Yeah, after not winning a match we are um, th- through the looking glass now. Yeah, it's a bleak time. <laughs> <laughs> But I suppose we can look back onto what some people are saying was a quite good 1872 cup match at the um, at the weekend. Glasgow taking home the spoils, a nice moment for Xander Ferguson on his hundredth cap, getting to lift that oh, the most historic of trophies, the 1872 cup. Um, Matt, would you say it's one of uh, certainly one of the better 1872 fixtures we've seen, and and Glasgow. You just you never really know what you're going to get with Glasgow at the moment, do you? Yeah, it is a strange one, and ultimately the team versus Benetton wasn't actually that different. It, it was good to see overall that Glasgow's ambition and willingness to play was rewarded, because I still think that Edinburgh didn't. You know, they were stuffy, but that's probably about the greatest compliment you can play to them. Play to them. Um, so, you know, in terms of like having a lot of big moments in the game and a lot of drama, it was quite entertaining, I suppose. Yeah. And I mean, I think just given sort of the historic nature of 1872 Cup games, you know, I appreciate it's quite a low bar, but there was definitely sort of moments that, uh, that at least got the heart racing on a on a friday night i guess the the sort of big stat that everyone was sort of looking at afterwards was the uh was the penalty differential which was uh i think edinburgh had gave away nine penalties and glasgow gave away 24 penalties i i and i actually I, it'd be interesting if there's anyone's got this information i actually can't remember a match where a team got that number of penalties literally what, <laughs> what one penalty every three and a half minutes that is a joke um, and especially, I think, I think they were like fair penalties. I think the ref was 
a bit whistle happy. Probably a little bit, but at the same time, the Glasgow pack just like loves being all over the ball, <laughs> or just in general. I think you know people like yeah. I, I just wonder if people like Rob Harley and Fraser Brown. You know, ultimately they're players who do like to play at the edge, right? And if you've got a referee who's going to ping you, they're the sort of players that are going to get picked up on quite just, a re- regular yeah, basis. And but I just don't get it because you can pretty much let Edinburgh have the ball and they will do absolutely nothing. Yeah, I know. That's what the question. That's their their attack is. So wank. <laughs> I don't know who's to, who's at fault, but it's just watching Henry Pergos just like amble to the rock and slow everything down is painful. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I just want, you know, I, it just feels like probably you know thinking about sort of signings for next season. Clearly, like James Lang is being brought in to kind of help ignite that a little bit, and I. He as knock he he doesn't ignite backline. <laughs> well, he, I don't know. Like I get yeah. signing maybe, and maybe Velikot can. But if your game plan is to tell Velikot, oh, just you know, take your time, lad. It, what's the point in signing any of those kind of players? Yeah, look, I feel a little bit bad because obviously Chamberlain is still like super super fresh, right? And you know, even when he was part of like the Bristol Academy. I don't think he was even getting like much. He wasn't really getting any much no. or any game time for the kind of their sort of um, A side. Right. So he's clearly kind of trying to step, he's kind of stepping up to that plate and seems to be taking potentially a little bit longer than sort of Ross Thompson to kind of get to grips with, with that sort of level and speed of pro rugby. But, um, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it, it's, it's interesting for someone like Duhan, you know, in that sort of match, he, he does just struggle sometimes to kind of, I don't know whether he's just not up for it, but he clearly just like, wasn't making much effort to get like super involved mm. in the play. And I don't know if that's just a case of, he's just like, I'm, I'm going to the Lions. I'm not like coming off my wing <laughs> to get like killed by Lukatui and just like have to, like, <laughs> and then he's out injured for like four months. But um, there's just, it's been, that is, been sort of quite common this season in particular and I don't even think that you need to say to Duhan you've got to improve your work rate just have some moves where you're like we'll give you the ball Duhan they, and Edinburgh don't seem to want to do that and that, that could be him trucking up in close quarters where we know he can he can cause a lot of damage it, it, it just seems like a real inability to get the best out of Edinburgh's players in in attack that's, that's strange Anyway, I don't want to focus too much on Edinburgh because we might get, I don't know, criticised something. Um, but... No, but you're right. And I think I think actually there is, you know, focusing on some of the Glasgow players, which we sort of did in the newsletter. I think we go back to the point that two weeks ago, Glasgow probably had their worst defeat that potentially we've, we've seen since we started this podcast. That we have presided over. And, yeah. then, a, and then a couple of weeks before that, we probably talked about how, we thought actually the Glasgow team going into next season was like really exciting and that if they can kind of keep a clean bill of health, they've got a team to really sort of push on. And that's kind of what my sort of summary is post this match, but I don't know which, which is actually correct. Right. Cause, uh, cause ultimately the performance against Zebra was so bad <laughs> that I think, you know, if it was premiership football, like Danny Wilson's done, it's like, you've lost six nil to Brighton. It's, it's time to go. And, I, I'm still I think leaning more towards the sort of exciting part because I think clearly Danny Wilson's strength is within that forwards, and if he can get kind of a fulsome with them and get them kind of really operating as a sort of hard nosed pack, I do think that Glasgow have the backs, even with Hugh Jones going next year, to kind of really make quite a big impact. Yeah, and I think that particularly someone like Ross Thompson who maybe from his first days in 72, which is completely understandable, like, you know, he was sort of chucked in at the deep end, has come on leaps and bounds to, to the extent where he he looks a far better player than Chamberlain at the moment, whereas Chamberlain was probably, you know, a year ago, far more far more highly considered than than Thompson. Um, and as we talked about before, and the, like, you know, the other guy, young guys we talked about, like McLean and Forbes coming in and just, doing really well. And then you've got guys like Tupelo and Mackay to come in. It, 
it's difficult because it does feel as if there is enough potential, but then, you know, the foundations are there, but then Glasgow do go and produce these like crazy performances with almost their, quite often with almost their strongest team. I'm putting, I'm putting that down to the, the, the rainbow cup there. Come on. It must be so hard to get up for the rainbow cup. Even the organizers don't know what the competition is. <laughs> like, how can you expect these athletes to like, you know, go and run into the run in sort of like with reckless abandon for their bodies when the organizers are literally shrugging their shoulders being like, look, we will let you know when we know what the end of this tournament is. Pathetic. <laughs> yeah. No, it's hundred percent. And I think it was, um, I saw that there was sort of the Glasgow members event and that it, supposedly Ryan Wilson sort of came out and was like, look, we, we don't even know what's going to be happening at the end of it. So I think people were asking them to kind of give them a bit of clarity and they're just like, even the players don't know. <laughs> like, so it's not like we've been told anything and yeah. we're sort of hiding it. Like ultimately no one knows. And I think even from sort of, you know, ultimately the unions who sort of ultimately managed the pro 14, it's, it's all about just getting packed, getting to the end of this, g- yeah. oh, giving yeah. the, giving the broadcasters what they've contractually obliged to give them and getting through to the start of next year and launching the pro 16. Right. And, whatever in whatever manifestation that is yeah building that, a bit of excitement for that when i can yeah because you know maybe it's just because it's something new again as well it was at the start of when we brought cheetahs and the kings in but actually kind of watching a bit of the highlights of especially sort of the stormers and the sharks i am a little bit you know it's if they can keep kind of what their teams are teams are like stormers and the sharks have a lot of like you know pretty box office players you do think it's it's quite an attractive product. You think as as Edinburgh guys, you know, going down to Edinburgh's new season, new stadium to watch Edinburgh against like the Natal Sharks to watch like that, you know that that is quite a nice in that's an interesting product. That is more interesting than going to Marseille to watch um, Edinburgh against Zebra, isn't it? I mean, you can probably still do that in the new stadium as well. But I, I do get that. I I agree with you, Alan. There's a little bit of excitement not that i ever want to say anything good about the pro 14 or 16 but there is there is a little bit of excitement there <laughs> and i just want one more mention for um dave cherry bagging two more tries yeah just letting out his frustration of not being a lion on um on glasgow it's it, it was it's the one that the irish journals have refused to touch and it's the one that everyone's thinking dave one, cherry exactly, yeah. versus um Jamie George, but uh, that would yeah. can you can you actually imagine the reaction if Jamie George had been left out for Dave Cherry? That would have been very funny. To be fair, I would have I would have absolutely loved it on a number of a number what, of levels. What I'd love to know is I know Gatland I think said that because it had been said in the press that around about fifty something players got letters, and I think he actually corrected it and said that it was around about seventy low seventies. Yeah. Yeah. I'd really love to know now what percentage of Scottish players who got the email actually got selected? Because I wonder if it mm. was, because I think we sort of talk about these sort of 50, how many 50-50s there were. We don't really know. You know, Ultimately, there could have been sort of 16 Scottish players who had the email and eight who missed out and eight, eight who got in. Or was it, do we think, that actually it's only people like maybe Johnny Gray and Jamie Ritchie were the additional people who got the email and actually of the people that were in that kind of wider consideration, we got quite a large bulk of that group. Because um, I, I, I wonder... Do you George know, Turner would have got a letter? One of the Scottish hookers has to have got one. Yeah, yeah surely. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what other people might have got one. Yeah, one of the Scottish hookers, obviously Johnny... Johnny Gray for sure. Um, Maitland. He got a um, letter. Cameron Path got a letter, I think, yeah. There yeah. was an article that suggested he got one, yeah. Yeah, Cameron Path. Maitland potentially, especially based on Six Nations form. It's yeah, uh, You sort of look back at that, you know, the England match, and you know, he's just so solid <laughs> at that level. Again, I don't think he's good enough to be in the Lions team, but, you know, at, in a Calcutta match, He's just you know, ice cold, and he's just so used to it. Mm. Um, maybe Hugh Jones potentially. Nah, do you know that? Like? Side shot. Don't think so. It's. Uh, I mean, I guess especially now looking at the type of centres that they've taken, it's. Uh, it would be surprising if if Hugh Jones had gotten that wider sort of consideration list. 
Yeah, not not really one for Sammy Johnson either. No, I mean it's it's a bit of a hard one on Sammy Johnson. I guess yeah. you know maybe eighteen eighteen months ago. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, you know thinking back even to that first kind of Six Nations match of twenty twenty when we sort of played Ireland away and uh, we had sort of Hastings ten and him in twelve. He was really sort of hitting the game line hard and was you know looking pretty class. And it just seems like he's it's just sort of slowly dipped off, especially sort of during COVID, sort of moved away. But I don't know. We we, we think I, mean, I don't know who I was chatting to you about it, but I think obviously with Kyle Stain kind of back on form and looking good, I I'm a big advocate of trying to get him and Stain in the centres together next year because I think both yeah. defensively and in attack, they're just so so solid and and good at that at that level. Um, I think that could be a pretty tasty option. And then you've got McKay. Um, Cole Forbes and, and Ross McLean potentially in that back three, which is just like absolute firepower. Yeah, I thought Stain, considering he's coming back from injury at the weekend, like, didn't have oh. been away at all. He was he's so, so class. Yeah, absolute class. Yeah, yeah, I'd kind of forgotten that he was really good and sort of in and around that Scotland squad quite comfortably before he got injured. Yeah. Be interesting to see how much he, hopefully, if he can kind of stay fit. You know. Could he be pushing someone like a Darcy Graham for that wing spot? Mm. It feels like Chris Harris is going to have that 13 jersey locked down until at least the next Six Nations. Um, so for someone like a Carl Stain, he's probably looking at Duhan's pretty locked in. So that sort of second wing spot between him, Maitland, Darcy Graham could be sort of where he's sort of pushing for. Mm. I suppose it's, you could kind of take it on a Horses of courses as well, because sometimes Graham is seen as perceived as struggling because of his height defensively. So you, you think, you know, against someone like Ireland who might be punting the ball a lot, you use pick stain instead of Graham. It's quite a nice wee option to have. Yeah. Right. Well, there's plenty, plenty to look forward to, not least the um, non-1872 Cup-related Edinburgh-Glasgow game this Saturday night uh we will be back next week we'll have a look back at that game we'll do a newsletter early next week so please do keep in touch with us um on twitter that's at thistle uh rugby pod um i got the password for the instagram account again so that's good so that's thistle understroke rugby understroke pod um send us an email the thistle rugby at gmail.com and subscribe to that newsletter which is going the numbers are going through the roof just jump on that bandwagon and you will get our take on scottish rugby every single week in your inbox that's on substack the thistle scottish rugby podcast newsletter uh the only independent scottish rugby newsletter the only one you need so get yourself on there and we will be back to speak to you very soon cheers hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.